All right. For those that uh, don't know me, I am Tim Shorey. I'm uh, privileged to serve as the lead pastor here on uh, the Risen Hope campus of Covenant Fellowship Church alongside Andy Farmer and Alex and Leo and the leadership team. Uh, and it is my privilege week after week to be able to open up God's word with you. If you are a guest with us and do not have a Bible and would like one to follow along because we really do linger in God's word uh, for the next uh, several minutes. If you'd like a Bible, please raise your hand and uh, somebody will get you a, a Bible if needed. Anyone? Okay. Well, let's open our Bibles then to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to begin our reading this morning in verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Going to read down through verse 6. We really could read all the way down through verse 14 because that's all almost, it's not just one paragraph, but in the language that Paul wrote, it's one sentence. Uh, but uh, we're going we're gonna to just limit ourselves to verses 3 through 6 this morning, and then over coming weeks, we'll, we'll keep on moving our way through. So Ephesians 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that by your Spirit you would Make this a word to us this morning. Speak to each heart the truth that is needed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Back in October of 2011, the BBC reported that there were many children in India who had the unfortunate distinction of being named Nakusha. Nakusha means unwanted. Parents give, often in that land, they give that name to a girl because they would have preferred a boy. And in part they do this because they believe that it is for good luck to keep them from the terrible misfortune of having another girl and making sure that the next child is a boy. But back in 2011, there were 250 to 300 girls who were offered the chance by the Indian government to choose a new name. What a, what a moment that must have been. One of, one of those girls, now named Sakshi, meaning a witness, says this, Now I have a name and I feel good. I feel like a new person. I feel confident. It will change my life forever. Earlier, I struggled to give myself an identity. Now I feel that I have 
my own identity. A proper name means a lot to me. I am in school now. Soon I will go to college, and that will be the start of a new life. Everyone in college will know me by my new name. No one will know I was once Nakusha, unwanted. I am excited about my future. There is, there is a great difference in life between being unwanted and wanted. Between being chosen and unchosen. Between belonging and not belonging. There are so very many for whom there is a daily battle for joy because while their name may be Sally or George or Jane or John or Sam or Mary, they feel unchosen and because unchosen, they feel unwanted. Friends, we are here to worship God. We are here to be taken up with God in His Word. We're not here to be given new ways to feel good about ourselves. And the text that's in front of us is way too deep and way too wonderful and way too astonishing and far too massive in its claims and in its truths for us to reduce its truth to man and me-centered cliches so that I can feel good about myself. However, we are desperately lonely sometimes. We experience a desperate sense of lostness sometimes. We fear rejection. We do wonder whether those who love us now would love us if they knew everything about us. And whether they will love us when we prove ourselves to be the sinful losers that we really are. And we do wonder about our place in the universe and our place in the heart of God, and our eternal destiny before Him. And so, as we look at the text that has been read today, I believe, I believe the Lord does want us to hear His voice through this text, saying something like this. The starting point for enjoying identity and purpose in life is in the choosing love of our Father above. The starting point in enjoying identity and purpose in life is in the choosing love of our Father above. I say this is a starting point because, well, it's where Paul starts. As he begins to expound for us in Ephesians what it means to be in Christ and what it really means to be a Christian who has come to genuine, authentic faith in Jesus and in union with Christ, as Paul starts out defining that and expanding that and exploring that and glorying in that, this is where he starts. He starts with the choosing love of God. And then he he predates the choosing love of God so that it predates time. He says it's before the foundation of the world. So this choosing love of God is the fountainhead out of which all of time and creation and your existence and mine flow. As, as Paul starts this letter, which is designed to show us all that we are and all that we have in faith union with Jesus, he starts right here. God 
has chosen us. And we come to this text, and, and as I come to the text, somebody said last week, it, Ephesians is a little bit like getting a drink from a fire hydrant. It just, the truth just comes after, you know, and I, how do you slow it down, and how do you, how do you make sure you're getting, actually getting some water from it, getting some refreshment from it? Whenever I come to a text like this, I like to simplify and summarize. And so here, here's my attempt at that. This is, this is some real heavy theology condensed into shorthand, all neatly packed into 19 words, all but one of which are only two syllables long. All right, so you can get this. Here's, here's Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. The Father above chose us before time in Christ because of love for adoption to be holy unto his glory. Here, here's Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. The Father above chose us before time in Christ because of love, for adoption, to be holy unto his glory. Let's, let's look at that together. That's, that's the message this morning. Let me just unpack that for you. We begin with the phrase, the Father above. Look at verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he, the Father, chose us in him. The subject of all the verbs in Ephesians 1 is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Father who is the one who blesses us. The Father who is the one who chooses us. The Father is the one who sets us apart to be holy. The Father is the one who loves us. The Father is the one who predestines us. The Father is the one who adopts us. The Father is the one who plans all of this and purposes all of this and accomplishes all of this into our lives. The Father, the Father, the Father. Some of you have heard me preach on the fatherhood of God it has become a favorite topic of mine in recent times. And you've heard me say that this truth about God is as wonderful and as essential to who God is as any other truth is. Perhaps more so. Friends, you, you misunderstand the character and the being of God if you start with Him as Creator. Or if you start with Him as Lawgiver. Or start with Him as Judge. Or start with Him as King. You must start with him as father. For he has been father, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. From all of eternity, long before there was creation, long before he gave his law to us, long before judgment day, long before all of those things, he was father. He's always been father. And everything that God has ever done has flowed out of his fatherhood, out of the the, the, it's been the stream flowing out of the, the river of who God is. He is Father. It's, it's wonderful. It's glorious. I, could, I would love to just spend, oh, I don't know, six months right there. Can't do that. What I can do is direct you to a book that will bless your soul. It's called Delighting in the Trinity. And it expounds the fatherhood of God in ways that I'm not sure I've ever seen before, beautifully and wonderfully 
and to the heart. We have some copies there that are available in the back. I think it's first come, first serve, so uh, go ahead and try to get there first. <laughs> J.I. Packer, the author, theologian, summarizes what the Bible says about this with this simple, wonderful phrase. He says, Father is the Christian name for God. If you do not understand who God is, and you do are not understanding who you are as a Christian, unless you are getting it, that God is your Father. Father is the Christian name for God. The Father above chose us to be ready to be amazed. He chose us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, in Christ. He chose us. The word means that he selected us out of the whole mass, the teeming mass of humanity for reasons known only to God. He chose some. Every time the word is used in the Bible, it is referring to a selection, a choosing of some and the not choosing of others. And I know we're getting here to mysterious doctrine and I don't want us to get lost in the mystery and I don't want us to get lost in the things we don't understand. Let's try to just understand certain things. Let's, let's try to hear what God has for us. In the Bible, there are chosen and elect angels. There are chosen nations. There are chosen rulers and even chosen animals. You know, in Promise Kingdom in children's ministry today, they're learning about Noah and the ark and God's wonderful plan of deliverance, not just for Noah and his family, but for the animals. And, you know, there were millions and millions and millions of animals. God chose two of each one. And then mysteriously drew them to himself. Drew them to the place of safety. Think about that. It's, it's a picture of election. It's, a, it's, it's not meant to teach election. It means it's meant to teach us that God rescued the animals. But it, it, it illustrates it illustrates what election is. There, there is, out of the millions and billions of people that have ever lived or will ever live, God chose us. We were a part of this mass of humanity that had rebelled against God and gone our own way. We were sinners at birth and by nature and sinners by choice and by habit and by rebellion with no desire for God, no interest in God, no love for God. And God chose us to be His. It is a choice that, that has led us to a place where now we are chosen, yes, did you hear it, to be His. It is a choice of possession, not, a, not an owning, enslaving, dehumanizing possession, but a treasuring possession. We are His chosen and treasured ones. We are chosen by Him. We are chosen to be His. And being His, we are given value and significance as human beings. 
it's an amazing thing. It's a very interesting thing how we attach value to an object based on who owns the object or has owned the object. Very interesting, sometimes bizarre. For example, it is reported that a simple jar, otherwise empty, into which Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are said to have breathed, was sold for $530. Will Wheaton, star of Star Trek The Next Generation, is said to have found a dented ping pong ball in his garage. <coughs> and after 82 bids on eBay, it sold for $1,135. Bidding for a vial of Ronald Reagan's blood when he was the attempted assassination, Bidding for that vial of blood was over $10,000 when the seller pulled it from the auction and donated it to the President's Museum instead. Someone paid $5,300 for a used Kleenex that belonged to an actor. There's this guy named Louis Mushro spent a lot of money buying some of Abraham Lincoln's hair but he's getting more than, more than getting it back by selling pieces of that hair for $1,200 for one sixteenth of an inch. When Michael Jackson's hair caught on fire during the Pepsi commercial, one thirty-second of an inch sold for $100,000. <laughs> and, and this one, when William Shatner had a kidney stone, It was auctioned off for $25,000. <laughs> oh, my. If we attach value based on the ones who own certain What, what does this say about us who are the chosen possession of God? He who is of infinite worth and everlasting glory and everlasting infinite dignity and value, the creator of the ends of the earth, the Lord of the galaxies, he who breathed everything into existence, he has chosen us to be his. Therefore, if you're looking for identity, if you're looking for a sense of worth and value, don't look inward, look upward and realize that yes, you have value and dignity and worth, but it is given to you by virtue of the one who has chosen you. The Father above chose us. Now notice, the Father above chose us before time, verse, 20, uh, verse 4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before the beginning began, you were chosen. Child of God, before the earth was made, before the mountains were formed, before the stars were flung into space, 
before the galaxies were breathed out of the creative power of God, you were chosen. Oh, this says to us so much about the heart of God. We were in his heart and on his heart from all of eternity. It, it says to us that God has a heart to include, not exclude, to share his love, not to hoard and grasp his love to himself. He has a heart to draw others into the experience of the, the love of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, experiencing, enjoying love together forever and ever. And it's always been in God's heart to draw us into that. The, the choosing love of God, the Father, Son, and Spirit has never been insulated from others or a closed circle of affection or some kind of clubbish, heavenly clique. The Father has chosen us from before time. This also says to us that God's choice of us had nothing to do with anything good in us. For he chose us before we were even born. He chose us before we had done anything. Before we had thought anything. It was a choice the cause of which and the motives for which were entirely outside of us and in his heart. We didn't earn this choice. We didn't deserve to be chosen. We didn't buy it or outwork and out-hustle others in order to achieve it. It's not like getting chosen for an academic scholarship or an athletic scholarship. It's not like being chosen man of the year or winning a Nobel Prize. No, it was God the Father looking ahead at a human race that was made up of nothing but sinners, every single one of which deserved nothing but his wrath, and it's God saying, I want some of them to be mine. I want some of them to be with me forever. He chose us. Not because of who we are. He chose us before time. I know that doesn't do much for your self-esteem. It's not about your self-esteem. It's about worshiping God. Giving him glory and praise and all the credit that is his due because he is the initiator of it all. We have chosen him in one sense, yes, but it's because he first chose us and drew us to himself. This text is massive in its truth, mysterious in its truth, but it is clear in its truth. You can see it in the text, can't you? I'm not making it up. I'm not making it up. The Father above chose us before time. Now get this, in Christ. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him, referring to Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Three times Paul makes the point. God the Father's choice of us before time is in Christ, in him, through him, in the beloved. This beloved is Jesus. And I think it's a reference back to the baptism of Jesus where the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. At that moment, 
God the Father announced his loving approval and choice of his son to be the Savior Messiah for the world. And now we are told that we are chosen in the beloved. This means that we are chosen because of him and because of what he has done for us. We do not deserve to be chosen, but Jesus deserves to be chosen. We do not deserve the Father's love, but Jesus deserves the Father's love. We do deserve the Father's wrath, but on the cross, Jesus received that wrath and absorbed that wrath in our place. We do not have a life of righteousness that is worthy of the Father saying to us, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. But Jesus has a righteousness that the Father can look down on and say, I am well pleased. And it is In his death, he is bleeding and dying on the cross. We were dying with him, our sins being punished. It's in his resurrection on the third day, up from the grave, he arose. We rose with him. It's in his perfect righteousness that the Father approved of and said, I am pleased with. It's in that righteousness that we are chosen, that we are loved. The Father above chose us before time in Christ. You see, this before time and this in Christ are included by Paul because while he wants us to feel secure in the Father's love, he does not want us to fall in love with ourselves as if somehow or other we earn that. It's all grace. It's all mercy. It is all sovereign The Father above chose us before time in Christ. Now get it. Because of love for adoption. Because of love for adoption. Look at verses 4 and 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. In love, he chose us. Technically, the words in love could go with the phrase before, talking about being holy and blameless before him in love, or with the phrase after, in love he predestined us. In the whole context of Ephesians, I'm convinced it's supposed to be in the phrase after. It's about in love he chose us. Paul is all about not here calling for us to love God. Ephesians 1 through 3 is all about what God has done for us because he loved us. In love, he predestined us for adoption. Adoption is the goal, the aim, the the motive behind God's actions here. He is after us to be his children. Friends, there, there are many wonderful blessings that are a part of being a Christian. Justification, that great big word that just talks about being declared righteous and acceptable in the sight of God. That's pretty sweet. Forgiveness. Having all of our sins pardoned, that's wonderful. Redemption, being ransomed and purchased through the blood of Christ and thereby set free from bondage to the the power and the penalty of sin. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Election is wonderful, being chosen by God. Sanctification is wonderful, the the process by which we become more and more holy. But I'm here to tell you this morning, there is no blessing sweeter than adoption. 
There is, there is no blessing sweeter than to know that not only have I been justified and redeemed and forgiven and chosen and being sanctified, I am chosen for adoption. I am chosen to be part of the eternal love and family of God. That is as good as it gets. We are adopted into his family because, folks, you could be forgiven and not be family. You could be justified and not be family. You could be chosen and not be family. You could be elected and not be family. You could be forgiven and not be family. But God is not content with just forgiving us and then just kind of sticking us out there kind of on our own. He says, no, you are forgiven now. Welcome home. Welcome home. We are chosen for adoption. Oh, who is like our God? I was reminded of Psalm 8. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Friends, this is not just God being mindful. This is, this is not just mere pity that the Creator has for insignificant sinners. It's not mere pity for needy, pathetic creatures like we are. Isn't God, isn't just God having a condescending moment of sadness for such pitiful, sorry creatures as we are? Now, this is God setting his eternal love upon us. And this is a theme that Paul wants us to make sure we get. So if you go to chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Or chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom... Every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here is, here is the Christian God, a Father who loves us and loves us with a love that is great and is full. This is God having a heart so big for us and so deep for us and so strong for us that he will go to any length, any length, including the death of his Son to have us. As his own. It is a love, the breadth of which, and the length of which, and the height of which, and the depth of which simply cannot be measured. It is too broad and all encompassing to leave us out. It is 
too long and enduring to ever fail. It is too high and lofty to ever be touched by our fickleness or limitations. It is too deep to ever be fully fathomed. You simply can't get to the bottom. It is too eternal to ever be affected by or frustrated by or restrained or curtailed by our sin. God never says enough already. God never says, I divorce you. I disown you. We are never nakusha. We are never unwanted. Once chosen, always chosen. Once loved, always loved. And so Paul puts in Romans 8, who, you know it, right? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, yes. And I, I want to ask you, Christian friend here this morning, is this how you think about God? Is this how you think about your maker? Do you believe, do you know in your heart that the Father above chose you before time in Christ because of love for adoption. Are you living in the good of this? This is the starting point for all of life. Grasp your identity here. Find your purpose here. The choosing, adopting love of God. It's the secret to security. It's the secret to safety and stability. It's the secret to facing whatever life throws at you. I am loved and always have been loved by God. The Father above chose us before time in Christ because of love for adoption to be holy. To be holy. Notice it in verse 4 even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Notice the purpose clause. Notice the direction clause here. That we should be holy and blameless before him. God's choosing love of us brings both privilege, it is for adoption, and responsibility. It is to be holy. God wants us to enjoy his love as we seek his holiness. He wants us to find our identity not only in receiving his adopting affection, but in reflecting his holy character. We are his sons and daughters in his holy family, and it's supposed to be like father, like children. God wants his children to be holy just like he is. We miss the point. We miss the purpose of God's choosing love. And in so doing, we miss the point and the purpose of our very lives. If we fail to grasp that we are chosen to be holy. 
We are chosen to live lives that are consecrated to God. Our lives matter to him. Our words matter. Our actions matter. Our attitudes matter. Our choices matter. Our language matters. He didn't choose us so that we could go on doing our thing in his world. He chose us so that we would make it our business to do his thing in his world. And to do his thing his way. Under his law. Just like his son. We are not chosen because of who we are or what we have done, but we are chosen to become what we were not. To become holy and blameless in His sight. That both positionally we are set apart for God and in practice and in life and how we actually do life, we are to be set apart for God. The Father above chose us before time in Christ because of love, Unto holiness, and now finally, the Father above chose us before time in Christ because of love for adoption to be holy unto his glory. Let me read the whole text again, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Our, our Father above has chosen us before time in Christ because of love for adoption to be holy to His glory, to the praise of His glorious grace, to the commending and the lauding and the elevating and the extolling and the magnifying and the proclaiming of His grace. This is about not just proclaiming His grace, but the glorious grace, literally the glory of His grace. This, this is grace that is not just grace, it is glorious grace. It is astonishing grace. Think of all the awe moments of your life. I love awe moments, I don't know about you, but I love moments where, whoa, happened. So, so seeing Niagara Falls is, whoa. Seeing, seeing a starlit light somewhere far away from the city, a starlit night where, whoa. seeing the sequoia trees that are as wide as this room, stand two football fields, no, not two, I'm exaggerating, at least a football field high. The Grand Canyon, this great big old hole in the ground. birth of a child, awe moments, wonder moments. If you can take all of those experiences you've ever had, Niagara, Sequoia, stars, birth of a baby, the flowers, the sunset, take them all, put them all into one great big awe moment, one great big glory moment, and it's but a whisper whisper 
of the glory of grace. And we will spend forever and ever and ever praising the glory of grace. It is all about the grace of God. The sovereign, eternal, loving grace of God. We, we need to be careful, folks. Ephesians has lots of doctrine in it. It has lots of theology in it. And if you're kind of the theologically oriented type and the you know, cerebral type and the brainy type, you might make the mistake of getting all caught up in the theology and forgetting the reason for the theology. Theology is always meant to lead to doxology. Theology, what we know about God, should create doxology, the worship of God. And if what you know about God is not making you say to the praise of his glorious grace, then you don't know it yet. You don't know God yet. You don't know yourself yet. Theology is meant to turn into worship. God intends that truth enter into our minds leading to understanding and then move its way to our hearts producing faith and affection and then move from there to God in worship and praise. That's, that's what you should come for on Sunday mornings. To get truth that will penetrate your thick skulls and mine. Somehow come to understanding. Move into the heart and produce faith and joy and affection and love. And then erupt from the heart upward to heaven in worship and in praise. And the doctrine of election does that. Because it's all about God here. It's all about God. God, the Father above, chose us before time in Christ. I lost my statement. In Christ, because of love, for adoption, to, hold, to be holy unto his glory. Unto his glory. So here's God's word for us this morning. God's word to us, oh, how sweet the word is. We sang earlier, I forget the exact words, but we sang something about desiring that the spirit of God would so work and so breathe into us that we would hear a word for us from God. I hope this has been a word for you from God. And, and I hope that this word will secure you in your identity. This answers the question, who am I? I'm a chosen one of God who's been loved by God before, since before the world was made. I hope this affects your witness, folks. And I know how discouraging it gets to share the gospel with people that don't seem to want to hear it, but remember the day when you didn't want to hear it. But God in his sovereign love and grace drew you like he drew those animals into the ark. He drew you to Christ, to the ark of our salvation, Jesus. And just realize this, that there are chosen ones out there. There are people out there that God has set his heart on from all of eternity. 
Be faithful in bearing witness for Christ because as you do that, God in his power is going to work in their hearts and transform them. Never be discouraged in evangelism. You have a sovereign choosing God who is always at work in bringing his people to himself. And may it be, if you're troubled, if your heart is aching, if you are wondering who you are, may it be that you will find your rest here in the love of God. And if you're not a Christian, well, why not become one? And all this will be yours. All this will be yours. Turn from your life of unbelief and sin and say, I come now, Father, to realize that the only source of joy, the only source of identity, the only source of forgiveness, the only source of mercy is the eternal love of God in Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus and find this and find rest for your soul. Father, speak to us even further as we sing together now. Oh Lord, I pray. Amen. Thank you.